Hi everybody, welcome to For the Culture. Uh, I'm your host, Deepak Batty, and today I have a guest that I'm very excited to actually interview. His name is Graham S. White, and uh, Graham is actually an artist who I found um, sifting through the Explore feature on Instagram. So uh, the Explore feature actually turned into something productive for me. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) anyway, uh, Graham is an artist that I stumbled upon who had a very unique sense of style uh, to his work. It's a very particular um and particular kind of work that he does he does like these very clean and but very detailed um drawings dot drawings which which when i first showed my girlfriend erica the the drawings she was like whoa this looks great i want this tattooed on my body and so he's very uh meticulous with the work that he does and he posts every single day he does a drawing every single day and um, I went to his house. I saw the drawings, obviously, where we got the picture done. And uh, it looks so good. They're big pictures, too. And, uh, you know, they, they, they take up a good chunk of an 8 by 5 by 11 paper. But um, anyway, I digress. So thank you for coming on to the show, Graham. I'm really happy to have you. Uh, no worries. It's, I'm happy to be here. Yeah, how you been? Oh, <laughs> oh you know, living life just kind of going through the motions but right know, still focused on just creating every single day so, yeah 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 for sure uh, okay so before we get into everything i wanted okay. to ask you um so how would you describe your art that you do and where did that all start from like how did it evolve to the style that you're at now um okay so sort of i would describe my artwork as largely focused on dot work so um, big focus on pointillism and stipling. Um, For the a, people that don't know what that is, sorry <laughs> to interrupt, but what is dot work? Okay, so dot work is essentially uh, building an image with very small dots. So you're using a pen to make one tiny little dot mark and then expanding that to create different uh, compositions. So you're creating different kinds of shading um, as well as kind of playing around with lines. So like if you have a really thick line and then a really thin line, and then you can actually thin that out even more by using dots to kind of bring that all together. Perfect. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's like pointillism is sort of one of those things that I find very challenging uh, to really get depth and make it really, really interesting. Yeah. Um, but I'm sure most people know what pointillism is. I, I would hope so, at least. It's been around for... <laughs> A long, long time. Yeah, um, I mean, you've had a you you have a history, art history. Yeah. Um, past, right? Mm-hmm. So for those that don't know what pointillism is, uh, can you give a brief sort of explanation on that? Yeah. Um, so, in terms of like art history, pointillism has been this thing where you well, essentially you're doing the same thing that I'm doing, just usually with color. So, like, Georges Seurat is a really good kind of uh, painter to look into for pointillism. Um, Like, uh, Sunday à la Grangette. Well, I can't remember what year that is. I should be able to remember, but, (laughs) you know. Um, But, like, massive, massive paintings done with incredibly tiny dots that kind of create this beautiful piece, right? Um, It's all about creating something without having to paint all the little details, um, whereas what I'm doing is using that pointillism in pretty pretty much exclusively in black work. Okay. So just black and white. There's no gray tones. Um, I've 
been doing a little bit of watercolor, but I do really try to focus on, you know, keeping it dark. Right. Okay. And how did you evolve into doing that style of work without any gray tones and just very specific pointillism and watercolor work? Yeah. Well, I mean, it kind of started just because it was what I had available. Right. Um, I wasn't super big into painting. I was always able to kind of give it a go, but it was never something that really stuck with me. Right. Um, whereas drawing has been something I've been doing my whole life. Um, started out, you know, as any kid does, you know, just messing around and then you kind of work your way up and did a lot of charcoal work, which is its own kind of difficulty with shading and creating depth because, you know, and you get very, very messy hands. Yeah. (laughs) I'm not the, the biggest fan of that. Um, I like keeping things a little bit cleaner, so yeah. Um, as a result, the natural progression was moving into doing just ink and working on just pen drawings, um, which kind of just began with just playing around with it and evolved into something that I said, oh, I'll do this every single day. I'll get better at it every single day. Yeah, and you said that you started doing that every single day right around March of this year, which is 2018. Yeah. Yeah, cool. And was there a specific thing that happened that caused you to want to start uploading every single day? Was there anything that sort of clicked in your head that made you want to do that? Um, it was. It kind of started out as a bit of a challenge to myself. Um, I was looking at it from the perspective of, look, if I do something, like I want to set myself a, a goal to accomplish, how can I go about accomplishing that goal? And what seemed logical at the time, because I was almost doing it already, and I said, okay, I'll do a drawing every single day, I'll post it every day. Uh, even if I hate the drawing, I'll try to post it. You know, like, just not giving myself any um, any way to back out of it. Right? Yeah. There's, there's no option to quit. And then it just has continued, and I haven't really looked back. It's been a really fun experience. It's yeah. really challenging, but at the same time, I look back to March and I go, wow, I've been, I've been improving. That's pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And that's the point, right? Like you do force yourself to improve, which is, you know, the best thing you could ask for. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what sort of improvements have you seen since uh, you started? Um, one of the things I've really noticed is that I've been getting a lot more, uh, deliberate with Mm -hmm. my pointillism. So kind of in the beginning, it was very haphazard. It was, oh, well, this little section needs to be shaded, sort of. So put a few dots there. And it's very much evolved in something where it's like, well, I can really play around with lights and darks. And I can really just bring out the dark as dark as possible and kind of spread it out. It's like, you can do a lot of fun stuff with that. Like animal noises. Or noses, sorry, not noises. <laughs> That'd be impressive. I could draw that. But That'll be for November. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, like, a dog's nose is a really interesting thing to draw, especially with dot work, because it is so dark in points, and you can really bring out the shiny, like, wetness of it by using dot work. Yeah, Whereas that makes sense. With, you could probably also do it with paint pretty easily. It's a little bit different, but yeah, you know, with dot work, I find it to be both challenging and meditative and quite a bit of fun. So wow, and that's the beauty of art. Right. You know, I was saying to um, Cameron Kip, the guy that I had on my previous episode, that um, it's a really good it's really good thing for the psyche to do something like that 
mm-hmm. you know, art on a general term on a daily basis. It like lets out a lot of um, whether it be very something small or very something large. It allows your allows at least for me and from the sounds of it for you and lots of other people for your psyche to just sort of decompress. It's almost like getting a full body massage, but to oh, your yeah. brain, you know, <laughs> definitely. So you started this in March. Mm-hmm. Where do you see it going? When do you do you see an end point for all this daily uploads that you're doing? <laughs> um, not really. No, um, like there's definitely going to be points in my life where it'll be not possible to. Yeah. Um, and I've run into some of those things already where it's looking like, oh, I'm not going to have time to be able to do this. Um, it's going to kind of screw up the whole system that I'm trying to get going. Yeah. And so what I would do is I would do multiple drawings a day and just basically stock up yeah. as much in the stores that I could and then just put those out anyway, even if I couldn't necessarily finish a drawing that day. Because um, for some things, you know, you just can't pull yourself away for enough time to finish a drawing. Yeah. Which, so then when you have, you know, a weekend or you've got a few hours to spare, you just put out as many as you can. Yeah, absolutely. And how long does it take for you to do a single drawing you find? Definitely depends on the size. If I'm doing something small, it might take me a couple hours, but um, something larger. So on a, if you're looking at like eight and a half by 11, around that sizing, filling out that space, oh, good four, four and a half hours easily. Damn, that's crazy. Yeah. (laughs) Cool. So, and where do you, do you see like a place of progression for your dot art to go? Oh, yeah. Yeah. For sure. Like, I, I just want to keep doing bigger and better pieces. Yeah. Um, I want to eventually expand and start putting some of that artwork on people's bodies. Yeah, yeah. tattoo. Yeah, you, you eventually, you told me earlier that you wanted to get into tattooing, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I yeah. see that as a, a very logical progression. I think so. This. Yeah. And plus, you know, my whole goal with this is to constantly be improving, and that's something that I see in the tattoo industry where... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like an artist that stagnates doesn't stay an artist very long. Right? No, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. And I like that you're aware of that. You're yeah. actually a very self-aware artist, though. I remember you were saying to me when we were getting our photos done mm-hmm. um, how you always actually critique all the work that you do. At yeah. the end of it, you come up with a list of the things that you like, the things that you don't like, and what you can improve on and the things you don't like, mm-hmm. which is cool. Yeah. Very cool. It's super helpful, too, for just constantly improving. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that without doing that, I'd have a very hard time looking at my art and going, okay, this is good enough to post. Um, just because I wouldn't be able to look at it and go, oh, I can do this part better. And that means that if I post this, then tomorrow I can do all those things better. And yeah. And you can see how much better it's getting. So, yeah. yeah. And I know you've said that, I know you've said that, like, even if you don't like the work necessarily, um, you will still have to post it yeah. or you will post it. So, but is there, has there ever been a time where you're just like, you absolutely don't like a piece that you just straight up don't post whatsoever? There's been a few. Yeah. Um, they're usually ones that I just go, Phew. it's, it's, it's not doing it right. Right. Um, they're either too simplistic or, or it's clear that I didn't put the right kind of effort into it, you know, and then I'll keep the drawing. I'll critique the heck out of it. And then I'll do a new one to post because sometimes you just go, wow, that's, 
that's not good enough to be anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fair. And you know what, though? That's a that's a good thing that you're able to do that, too, because it's a, it's not just that you post every single thing that you have. You have a you have to hold up a reputation and you also yeah. have to hold up a integrity to the work that you have on yeah. your page. Right. That's what you're known for. And you want to make sure that the work that you have is good, holds mm-hmm. a quality up. And the cool thing about you being an artist that wants to eventually get into tattooing is that you have a signature style already that which I think works in a very in a really in, in a contemporary sort of field that we're in right now. I think your art works extremely well. And cool. um, and I think that for you, um, you you'll be well known for this. You know, people will be able to come to you and ask for your types of work specifically. People will be able to come from like all parts of the all parts of the world just to get your style of drawing. Because <laughs> I personally have never seen anybody do the style of work that you do. Because it's not just dot drawing though. Yeah. What I've seen you do is that you combine different things. You come up with things off your imagination. Mm-hmm. And uh, you were saying to me that you. The inspiration that you have is largely from puns. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, definitely. Um, kind of, there's that little bit of humor that I try to put into things. Um, it doesn't come out in everything, but for the most part, that's what I'm going for. Um, mm-hmm. I like things that are a little bit weird, a little bit off. Uh, it, it's, some of the drawings that I. I did that I, I like the most are the ones that make me personally gag a little bit. Wow. Yeah, just because they, they have that uh, emotional gesture of just that horrible feeling. It makes you writhe a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And it's an interesting thing when art can do that to you. Um, I find that's a really fun emotion to try to bring out. I agree. I agree for <laughs> sure. Yeah. So that's really cool. I could see if you start to do tattoos, when it, actually when you start to do tattoos, a mm-hmm. lot of metalheads will come up to you and be like, hey, I want your pieces. <laughs> oh, that'd be cool. You know, uh, yeah. I could certainly see that. <laughs> By the way, uh, my girlfriend was telling me that she, she'd be definitely up first in line to get tattoos done. So you already <laughs> oh, have that's a always good to hear. <laughs> you already have a client. Yeah. And uh have you explored or at least looked into potentially getting prints done of your work? Yes. Um, I'm in the process of getting some of that prepared. Mm-hmm. Um, for me right now, it's going through all the drawings and kind of picking out the ones that I think are you know, the best ones, mm-hmm. which is a hard process because mm-hmm. every time I look at an older drawing, I go, oh, well, there's that thing that I critiqued already that I'm like, mm, it's not very good there. So let's try to improve that. So right. it's kind of a, a constant battle of kind of being able to go, okay, it was good. It's not as good as I want it to be, but it's good enough. Right. And that's a very hard thing for me. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's fair. And the thing is that you've built up this critique, not just because you're just very harsh on yourself, but you've been through, you've earned yourself an art history degree. Yeah. So you can objectively see what makes a piece good. So I hope it's objective, but (laughs) (laughs) well, I mean, you've told me before though, that you've seen work that people do and you can Mm -hmm. objectively say that it's bad art, right? Yes. So, but you've, so you, but you've earned yourself that right to be able to distinguish that. Um, I think to a degree, um, I mean, I think everyone sort of has the right to subjectively look at it. Subjectively, yeah. You know, um, getting into the objectivity of the whole thing, it's really challenging, right? Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, 
Like someone can look at a beautiful landscape painting and go, it's horrible because it's a landscape painting or, you know, because the colors aren't quite right. You know, there's right. so much subjectivity that goes into it. And I don't think I'm immune from that. Um, certainly when I look at art and I go, wow, that's, whew, I don't know if that should be hanging up there. It's one of those things that it's personal um, and I can try to analyze it from a technical standpoint uh, or even from a critical standpoint of going, well, that's that's bad for these reasons. Um, but then again, someone out there is probably going to be able to look at that and go, huh, I kind of like that. Right. You know, right, right. And just because I'm curious, uh, where did you go get your degree, by the way? So I studied um, my degree down at SFU in Vancouver. Oh, OK. Yeah. Which very interesting program for sure um i think because i started out in just fine arts just Mm -hmm. doing visual art and moved into um, sfu's version of art history which doesn't share that name and they kept changing it on me throughout the program which was (laughs) a lot of fun but um i ended up learning a lot of things that i thought i'd never learn Mm. um in particular just from doing fine art Right. You know, I did a lot more math and science than I had ever previously done. Really? Yeah. Just... Why? I I was interested in it. Oh, okay. Things like uh, exploring, you know, the golden ratio, like... Yeah. And trying to understand it from that standpoint. And what you end up doing is a lot of math to figure it out. And for for someone who kind of went, oh, well, I'm not very good at math. I don't understand science. I'll just skip all that and kind of diving back into that was pretty interesting yeah you know what math and science are actually very intertwined with uh music oh yeah you know back a long time ago um you know in greece ancient greece they used to use music as a way of um doing math because when notes were you know in a proper ratio with each other you know Mm -hmm. like one half or four sixteenths or whatever um they would actually create a uh a, a note that was harmonious but yeah. when it was out when that ratio was out then it'd be dissonant so mm-hmm. like it, it's actually really really cohesive together right yeah um it's it's kind of a neat thing when you really look into it like some of the greatest artists that have ever existed you look at their artwork and there's so much math involved yeah you know um you look at da vinci's work in just general and it is all math it's all engineering and um it's kind of challenging because at that time frame an artist was more of a craftsman so it was a little bit more in the science realm than it was in the creative realm but it was still pretty interesting to look at yeah it's sort of weird though that like in today's age we have like this divide yeah we have this divide between science and and the arts whereas back then it was all more cohesive together which is kind of i think you know the beauty about say apple's work was that steve jobs was hugely into technology but also at the same time hugely into arts and he looked Mm -hmm. at engineering the same way that he looked at art and that's what allowed them to sort of create the products that they created and innovate the way that they did Mm -hmm. and so that he sort of brought it back to that same sort of way um now this is going beyond just the way that people feel about apple on a general i'm just saying that like that's just sort of what their philosophy was Mm -hmm. so but it's just you know when you combine things like that when you actually take engineering and allow it to turn in and flourish into real art that's when that's when you get um really great um that's when you get really great stuff out of it you know you oh, have totally. like a you have a deeper understanding than a standard musician or a mm-hmm. standard engineer would have like for example um there's this brand out there uh called off-white 
Uh, mm-hmm. Virgil Abloh is their founder. Virgil Abloh is actually an architect, but he became okay. a fashion designer. And makes sense. And it. I mean, form follows function, right? Yeah, and their clothing is very, very popular, incredibly yeah. popular, um, also expensive. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Virgil has gone on to become the creative di- uh, director of uh, Louis Vuitton. Okay, very so, cool. Very high prestige in that role for yeah. sure. Yeah, but anyway, I digress. <laughs> so, um, when did you when did you graduate uh, from SFU? So I finished my degree last year. Okay, so uh, twenty seventeen. Yeah, yeah, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, that's awesome. And um, and from that, did you have any particular sort of like plans where you wanted to go with that? Did you eventually <laughs> want to like get into? Um, do like did was dot drawing like a thing that you had planned for not not even a little bit really um when i graduated my intention was to uh curate right so work in art galleries work my way up through that system and eventually i had a plan to open up my own art gallery with uh studios attached where i could help out emerging artists my main focus was kind of on the young artists that don't get a whole lot of representation how do you get them set up in a space where then they can flourish and kind of nothing really came of that for the first while um it just ended up being one of those things where it's a competitive field and there's not a whole lot of jobs in it so i found other work and then used art as kind of a means to continue being creative and yeah you know, and it just kind of evolved into what it is now and you know yeah yeah what did you say you learned about art what would you say is like one of the most like critical things that you learned about art um after you finished your graduation before versus before your graduation <laughs> i would say uh before my graduation one of the things i, I quote unquote knew about art was that it was all about the idea right yeah. without the concept art is nothing and that holds true to a degree, but after my degree and kind of experiencing art in the real world and creating art, it's definitely not just about the idea. You okay. have to have the technicality and the skill to actually create something that is beautiful, objectively to some degree, or at least aesthetic. Um, <laughs> like art that is just about the idea works fine if you're really playing with the avant-garde. But as soon as you're diving into, oh, hey, you know, maybe someone might want to buy this or maybe someone might want to have this tattooed on them or something like that. You can't make it just about the idea because then you're you're stuck in that loop of, well, you know, this is this gigantic black circle. You know, it means so much. Therefore, it's good art because that doesn't necessarily hold true. Yeah. You know, um, there's there's a lot of different schools of thought in the art world that I didn't learn about in school. In particular, just commercial art. Right. It's one of those things that when you're studying art, you kind of look down upon as if it's beneath all art. And, you know, real art you know, wouldn't sell. <laughs> you know? and, and that to me is a... It's pretty ridiculous. Right? Yeah. Because you look at sort of the most successful artists, especially in Kelowna, like you're looking at like John Revel, um, Alex Fong like pretty amazing painters and they're painting stuff for the masses. They're painting stuff to sell mm-hmm. and they're, you know, their artwork is fantastic. You look at some of the, the newer ones in Kelowna, like uh, Jolene Mackey, you know, 
Uh, her artwork is spectacular, but it is intended to be sold. It's, to a degree, intended to be um, a very commercial thing, but I would say it's a, a lot better than some of the some of the art that I studied in school, that's for sure. <laughs> wow. Well, I mean, that's, that's a really insightful thing to know, you know? Mm-hmm. The thing is, being able to be more aware, to be able to accept, like, commercial... Commercial art, not on just like uh, visual art, but just like music mm-hmm. and all that. Being able to recognize that those are all viable forms of art yeah. is a hugely important thing, which I think a lot of people that really don't have that insight uh, develop into snobby type people right. you never want to be around. Yeah, the elitism really kind of grows and it's it's challenging, right? Yeah. Because that kind of work does not sell well to the masses. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean... Even now, I go into a contemporary art gallery. Yeah. I can understand some things, right? But I'm never going to be able to understand fully what's going on because I haven't been part of that world for so long. And it's right. only been about a year. And already, I'm like, I don't know what, what the hell these guys are doing. <laughs> you know? um, so it's pretty interesting. And I'm sure that it rings true for all kind of forms of art. Yeah. Like, you look at the kind of dances or music that sells. Mm-hmm. Versus the kind that you know the elitists enjoy mm-hmm. watching or listening to, and there's a big difference between them. Yeah, because I mean, I like lots of different kinds of music, mm-hmm. um, and when I listen, I like you know lots of like really heavy music. I like fast music. I also mm-hmm. like really mellow music, really soft, really sparse music sometimes. Yeah, and but when I listen to like some good pop songs though, like. When I listen to Nick Jealous by Nick Jonas, I'm just like, this is just like a pleasure that I can't find in like, mm-hmm. in, in, it's a, it's a particular kind of pleasure that I can't find it elsewhere. It's just like eating like a McDonald's burger, but you right. don't hate yourself afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> That's just sort of how I feel, you okay. know? So there's like a, being able to like, just enjoy it, even though like, you know, Andy Warhol's painting, like the Campbell soup, for example, yeah. even though it's like one of the most like. Um, well-known and, like, ubiquitous pieces of uh, art out there, um, you can still appreciate it, right? Yeah. Even though it's, like, mainstream as shit. <laughs> so Yeah, I mean, that was kind of Andy Warhol as a whole with pop art. It yeah. was really, how can I be as mainstream as possible? Um, yeah. Which he did very, very well. Clearly. <laughs> Think about his reputation. Right? Yeah, 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 no. So you have to sort of like become a part of everybody if you want to actually be accepted. Yeah. You know, like something that I grew up personally aware of is that for you to make music that actually sells, you kind of have to like make it appealable to the lowest common denominator. Yeah. Well, the lowest common denominator is the majority of the population, right? Yeah. You know, so you got to find that large demographic and you got to focus on them mm-hmm. um, while still staying true to your art. Yeah. Right? Um, cause as soon as you kind of let go of your own artistic desires, like then, then you're losing out yeah. in more ways than one. True. Very true. And it's an important thing to realize. And it's a really hard balancing act to be able oh, to stay yeah. true to yourself and appeal to all those people mm-hmm. because those people will literally look at you as just like some other artist, you know, right. like 
um, you know, the first time that you see that you hear a song that you like, you're like, okay, yeah, this song's cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. this song's great. And then, you know, if they're good enough, then you'll start to be like, oh, I want to see what else they have. Yeah. Then you start to, and if they're good enough after that, then you'll start looking at their interviews and you start following their Instagram pages and all the social media and you'll realize, wow, I actually really developed a connection out of nowhere, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And so it's just like, it's like a, a very tough balancing act because if you're not yourself enough, then people will say you're just boring. You're just yeah. like another faceless, just <laughs> industry pawn, you know? Yeah. So it's a, it's a very tricky, fickle thing about this whole art scene that you're in, that mm. we're in, that yeah. we're all in. It's, it's an interesting world to be navigating. That's for sure. Yeah. 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 It's, it's a, it's a really interesting way to like juggle your m- mental health and psyche as well. Yeah. You know, people lose themselves a lot in that. Oh, place. easily. So, yeah. Yeah, lots of high pressure. But anyway, um, <laughs> getting out of that. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so uh, you finished school. You're doing your dot drawings now, and um, you're looking into prints. Any sort of, like, uh, what, are, what are the logistics you're finding when it comes to, like, getting those prints done and, like, getting them made? Uh, in terms of, like, time frame, do you have anything in mind when you want them to be out by? Um, I intend to have them ready and out as soon as possible. Yeah. Um, at the very latest, it'll be end of the summer. End of the summer. Yeah. Latest. Wow. Cool. Cause at this point it's really just about picking, you know, five to 10 that I'm like, these are really solid. I'm just going to get them done. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more about kicking myself in the pants than anything else. Yeah. So. Just like get yourself moving. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, it's one of those things where you're doing all this stuff. And you're like, how do I find time to do this extra little thing that I know I need to do? And the key to it is you make time, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Um, You spend one day doing three drawings so that the next day you can spend figuring out which prints you're going to make. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And where would they be able to find your work that you have and all your potential releases for your Well, um, I'm not sure about the releases yet. Like once the prints are finalized and I'll be taking them around to local stores um and kind of seeing who would like to sell them um whereas any print that i have um or even ones that i don't have i'd be happy to make for anyone if they just contact me through my instagram they want to print i'll make it for them and what's your instagram uh that's graham.s.white yeah okay that's the one (laughs) and do you have a website or anything no that's another thing i gotta get working on right websites business cards all the actual business sides of this kind of thing yeah. is definitely what I'm working on. But yeah. at the moment, the Instagram is kind of the main place to find me. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. That's fair. Um, that's awesome, Graham. Thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. Hey, I no really worries. appreciate your time. <laughs> oh, thank you for having me. It's been great. Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. Uh, this was For the Culture uh, with Graham. And uh, thank you so much for listening. Uh, Make sure you drop a follow on our SoundCloud, on our Instagram page. And uh, you'll eventually see us on Spotify there as well, but not yet. You know, the business side of things can be a pain in the ass. (laughs) So anyway, thank you so much for listening. Uh, I hope you have a good rest of your day.